Well, because I was never a Howard Stern guy. Like my introduction to yeah, Howard, his... my introduction to Howard Stern was through E. Remember when they would do the television show version? Yeah, his transformation's been wild. Well, so the dark side of the '90s or the dark side of the 2000s or whichever one it was. Yeah, on Vice, I highly recommend you watch it because it covers a lot of bases with Stern. And what's fast? You talk about his evolution, right? The old guys from the Stern show hate him hate him he's like oh he's doing this apology tour and how he's you know he's basically telling you all the all the positives of the psychotherapy that he's gone through and he's making amends and he's like chilling with celebrities now and every single one of these guys looks at the camera like you haven't contacted me you haven't apologized to me you're making millions of dollars i was making producer money 20 like this one guy was making like twenty thousand dollars a year on the stern show in New York, while he's making millions of dollars. That was wild to me. Yeah. And then they talked to like Man Cow and these other shock jacks from back in the day that like lost to Stern essentially and they're still bitter. <laughs> I mean, whew. maybe maybe we'll do a dark side of the uh <laughs> dark side of the OG one day. <laughs> when you're pissed at me. Or I'm pissed at you because you pissed away all the money on gambling. Ooh. Needs to get here. <laughs> I can see it now. You know, it's like I, I sit down and talk for the first time on whatever. And it's like, so how come you haven't talked to Jillian? I was like, well, well, he took all of our OG money. He, he, he was a... convinced that the Bills were going to win the Super Bowl. <laughs> they were going to knock out the Chiefs. Sure he's like, I'm going to be right about Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> At some point. I'm going to be right about that guy. And he put all the money on Patrick Mahomes to lose. And Josh Allen fumbled away the game. And now we're broke. And that's why I don't talk to Jill anymore. Here we are. <laughs> anyway. You ready? Yes. Oh, gee. Oh, gee. Oh, gee. Oh, gee. Let's podcast alongside Joe Giglio. I'm Joe Ovias. Thanks to Empire Properties. We are in Eford Studios in downtown Raleigh. And thanks to Copiers Plus. Check them out online at copiers-plus.com. Joe and I were sitting here talking about taxes and wrapping up the OG media year and budgets and things like that. You, you probably find yourself in the same boat. You're probably wondering, how can we save money? Print management costs. It's a sneaky, sneaky thing on your budget. So contact the folks over at Copiers Plus to get your print management assessment today. Again, that's copiers-plus.com. Panthers, baby. Congratulations to the Carolina Panthers, Joe. They were they are not going to be the first one in 16 team in NFL history. Let's go. Deep sleeper agent Arthur Smith. Buddy. Carolina guy. Buddy, trying to make sure his home state. I, all right. First, before we even talk about that game at Bank of America Stadium, which according to Vashti Hurt, 5,200 people showed up for it. It was pouring cold rain. If you listen to this podcast and you went to that game, email me. Yeah, we got something for you. The OG goes digital at gmail.com. I want to bring you on the show. And then, yes, we will send you some hoodies. Abs, we will, because you got to dry out. Right yeah. from that game. So again, the OG goes digital at gmail.com. If you went to that game, I need proof that you went to that game. I need proof you went to that game. We'll bring you on. We got some prizes for you. 
Because I considered it. I considered it. Did you see what the ticket prices were? Is it 45 cents? I see, I couldn't find the 45 cent one. I went to StubHub like I typically do, and they, you know, the Panthers tickets reached the the ticket is as expensive as the fees realm. You never want to be in that realm. Sometimes the ACC tournament, the Tuesday games, that's in the the fees are more expensive more than the ticket. Yeah. And then the ticket's like, oh, I can go to the game for $250. Yeah. When you throw on the $13 in fees and everything else. So I considered going to that game until I saw what the weather was going to be. I said, forget it. I ain't going to that game. But for the 5,200 people who did show up, salute, man. Salute to y'all for showing up. Because I've been, I've been to some crappy weather games. I don't mind crappy weather. I mean, that's why they made, that's why they make raincoats and various other things. I saw some people with goggles on. Yes. Hey, man, I went to that game. What was it, 2010? South Carolina, NC State at Carter Finley Stadium with a tropical storm coming through. Was that 2010? Or was that uh, earlier? 99, the Lou Holtz one? Oh, the, no, that's right. The Lou Holtz one in 99. <laughs> I went to that game. Yeah, that I was. Said, why not? That was why. But it was also August. It wasn't cold. Yeah, that's a good point. It was a big difference. Yeah, that's a good point. There cold the, rain and real rain. There were the people in 2016 who showed up to the yeah. Notre Dame NC State game. Yep. And watch Brian Kelly insist on throwing the ball in a driving storm, which gets us to the Atlanta Falcons. And your point about Arthur Smith. You got B. John Robinson. Hell, you got Kyle Pitts. Washington Post pointed this out. Kyle Pitts, B. John Robinson, and Drake London. There are three dynamic playmakers. A total of 75 yards on 13 touches. 13 touches. You're in the red zone. You have Desmond Ritter, who has been an adventure all year. And you don't want to give the ball to B. John Robinson? You want to run it? No, 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 no. We're going to pass it, which, of course, oh. ends up in a, in a turnover. And credit to the Panthers. I can make fun of the Atlanta Falcons all day, but credit to the Panthers for actually going the length of the field, running the damn ball, getting the yards that they needed, and smartly playing for the field goal at the end with one second remaining. Smart Because they were on the goal line. I, I thought that was a smart, because the last thing you want is in that in those conditions to try to score a touchdown and the ball fumble, you fumble it out, squirts out or whatever it is, and you lose the game that way. The the mind bender here for the Panthers is they've won two games a very specific way. Yes. Do do you know the very specific way that they won those two football games? <laughs> they ran the damn ball. The, the same very specific way that last year they ran and played and under their interim coach. Huh. And ran the football, played defense. Yes, yesterday was ugly. Mm-hmm. But look around the NFL, man. It's one big trash bag after another. <laughs> it is, yeah. For teams that are not named the 49ers or the, you know, Eagles, Bills, Chiefs. Mm-hmm. Even the Chiefs have had their offensive oh. struggles. We'll get to that in a second. You know, so like there's a certain way you can win. And it's just unfortunate. It's unfortunate for the Panthers that what they needed to do this year was be ugly mm-hmm. as they were in the interim last year. And instead they tried to get fancy and say, okay, we got this first round pick. We're going to you know, DJ Chark and, and Adam Thielen and the tight end whose name I already forgot. And, you know, it's like Miles Sanders. Yeah. Miles Sanders is going to replicate what Christian McCaffrey did for. No, no. <laughs> I don't think anybody was saying that they are optimistic about Miles Sanders, Sanders had some kind of year last year, by the way, for the Eagles, for under the that, Eagles behind that offensive line. Yes. Okay. Yes. But you look at it, you're like, Oh yeah. Chuba Hubbard. Uh, Deontay Foreman last mm-hmm. year was the one that they, they turned into a, you know, the bell cow back. We've talked about this with, we talked about this with a and yeah. the struggles he's had. The reason why they were good last year and while the offensive line had optimism was because they were going straight ahead. Oh, he can, he's always been able to run block. 
Yeah. But you, I'm looking at this and I'm going, cool, that they won in a very specific way. Yeah. That's cool. They should have lost the football game, obviously. Mm-hmm. Desmond Ritter, that interception, after it's it's 7-6, to six, so the, the Panthers get down into the red zone. They decide to kick a field goal down 7-3, and I'm going, are they, are they trying to protect their draft pick? Like, why, <laughs> for, the, for the Bears? Why are they not going for it? <laughs> kick the, they kick the field goal. It's 7-6. to six. Atlanta drives right down the field, mm-hmm. moves right into the red zone. Ritter escapes some pressure, and he rolls. And Joe, he threw the ball at the five-yard line. I didn't see another Atlanta player. I'm like, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. All you gotta do is kick a field goal. The game's over. And they're not scoring. Fair. So sure enough, Panthers take the turnover. Good on the, the I didn't realize the Panthers were the worst team in the NFL mm-hmm. in turnover margin. Mm-hmm. Like, this is not rocket surgery here. Run the football, play defense, take care of the ball, be good on special teams. That's been their two wins this year. Good for them. Um, get a little bit of positivity that's, going. Honestly, that's the only real takeaway from this game. I mean, the Panther season is lost. All all you can really discuss with the Panthers is whatever you do, don't break Bryce or, or severely injure Bryce Young. Don't put him in a bad situation, whether physically or mentally. Okay. So you plug away, you plug away. And yes, you could tell that a lot of emotion came out when they won that game. It's like they won the Super Bowl. And as one of our listeners pointed out on threads, I think it was Matthew. Yeah, man, that basically was their Super Bowl in how they were going about this to get off the schneid, to, to basically make sure that you don't become a historical footnote in, uh, in the NFL, uh, in the NFL record book. But that's all I'm going to take away from the game. It's not some sort of turnaround. It doesn't really show me anything about Bryce Young. It doesn't really do anything. It's just, hey, nice, you won. In fact, I think that game encapsulates the overall theme of what we've seen the last couple of weeks and really what we saw on Sunday in that the game results are more about the team that lost than the team that won. Okay. So like, let's look at the big game of the weekend. That would be the Buffalo bills and the Dallas Cowboys after weeks of, and you called this last week, we've hit that point in the cycle. Where we boys, the we <laughs> boys, Dak Prescott, MVP. It's time. They're going to win the NFC East. Look at what they've done. Up in Buffalo, I think before we hit record, you called it a scheduled loss. Scheduled loss, man. They're great at home. They're mid on the road. And I think last night showed you too, or yesterday afternoon showed you too, why home field advantage matters for a lot of the teams that are jockeying for playoff position right now. It's why I was mad at the Dolphins for having just blown that lead against the Titans on Monday night because you don't want to go to Baltimore, y'all. You don't. You who, don't who looked good. Looked really good. Again, yes. By the way. So I thought I thought yesterday was more about the Cowboys and how they were quote unquote exposed. And with the Bills, what's funny about the Bills? Ooh, you boys when they don't turn it over. Well, okay, I'm glad you brought that up. So at first, and I texted this to you yesterday. I'm like, yeah, here are the Bills trying to stick it in my eye because I've been on this bandwagon about I don't trust them. Josh Allen is high variance. They didn't turn the ball over yesterday. You know why they didn't turn the ball over yesterday? Because uh, the running back had an amazing game. <laughs> because James Cook, they ran the damn ball. When you and that's what and that's sometimes you don't have to overthink it. And I think yesterday might have been the first time the Buffalo Bills justified the firing of Ken Dorsey as their offensive coordinator. And Sean McDermott's been going through a lot thanks to reports about his motivational tactics. 
And there were some questions as to his job security, because when you fire Ken Dorsey, who a lot of people kind of eyed as, a, as another head coach, it was, all right, there's the sacrificial lamb. You fire the coordinator, you're next. You're doing what you have to do. But here's my question. Do you think Ken Dorsey at any point during a game in which they were dominating the Dallas Cowboys on the line, both offensively and defensively, at one point goes, you know what I want to do here? I know what I want to do here. Let's go deep. No, run it down their throat. That's how you're going to win that game. And that's exactly what they did. Josh Allen was very limited in his stats. He didn't have to do much. He made some big throws. 94 passing he, yards. That throw he made to James Cook yeah. in the corner was a great freaking nice. throw. But Listen, again, it wasn't it wasn't a complicated win for the Bills. Doses, doses. So two things: the Bills the last three weeks lose uh, in overtime at Philly mm-hmm. in a in a gut buster. Then they beat the Chiefs on the road in a great game, and then they just dominate Dallas this week. Uh, so they're they're hitting their stride. They would they would be the team I'd be worried about if I was Baltimore. Yeah. Okay. Number two, do you realize no coach in NFL history has ever won the Super Bowl with two different teams? No coach in NFL history has ever won the Super Bowl with two different teams. Don Shula yeah. has been to the Super Bowl with two and, different teams. Andy Reid. Andy Reid has been to the Super Bowl with two different teams. Bill Parcells mm-hmm. has been to the Super Bowl with two different teams. Mm-hmm. Do you really think in the history of the NFL, Mike Effin McCarthy is going to be the first coach to win the Super Bowl with two different teams? Sometimes you just have to say it aloud. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. really? Mike McCarthy is going to be the one? I don't think so. It would be funny, though. <laughs> I mean, it would be hysterical. I, I did see, <laughs> as, as, I'm, as I'm processing this, I'm processing this, what you're reminding me of is, I forgot who had posted this. I think it might have been Drew McGarry who had posted this on, on Defector by saying, oh, no, I, might have, I, I cannot live in a world where I cannot make fun of Mike McCarthy. It's really what it was about. It's like, come on, we know what this guy is about. So, yeah, that would be, that'd be a hell of a stat for a guy that everybody routinely likes to clown for his clock management and everything else and his coaching ability. Especially with this team. Yeah, yeah. Especially I mean, it's, sh- it's shaping up, though. I mentioned Baltimore last night. They look good. Mm-hmm. And it's defense. You know what I mean? And then you look at Frisco. And, and good, for, good for Brock Purdy. Just when you want to hate on Brock Purdy. I'm not hating on Brock Not Purdy. you, but I think people are, are a little bit like, and, and I loved all of the Cam Newton talk because yeah. I think he's right. You know, like uh, the Dolphins, like on social media, were like, oh, game manager, take that. And it's like, we just focus on what he's saying, okay? <laughs> you know? <laughs> By the way, speaking of Cam Newton, speaking of the Carolina Panthers when he, when he was there and, and lighting the world on fire, Every time we talk about the Panthers, it's brought to you by Graffiti. Check them out in downtown Cary. Tuesday's break-even night. Uh, I know they got some holiday festivities coming up. Maybe you want to get out of the house when you got family in town. Maybe there's some family aggression. Axe throwing. Axe throwing is a good way to just kind of get it out of your system when you've been cooped up with your family throughout the holidays. So, again, go check out Graffiti in downtown Cary. You mentioned Cam Newton and the game manager and and the game changer and everything else. A quick aside since you brought it up. So the context here is that Cam's been doing the media rounds and he had some really interesting stuff with his former teammate, Kyle Allen, on the QB room. But Cam's own podcast, he talked about the difference between game managers and game changers. And I think it was Kimberly A. Martin at ESPN just went after Cam like, you you know, you're sitting here tweeting from your couch. Like, what are you talking about? If you were so good, you'd actually be with in a year of backups. How are you not on on the field right now? I don't know why I had to get personal with Cam Newton. It's, I think it's pretty clear that he has transitioned out of that time 
as a, as a quarterback in the NFL and has transitioned completely over to the media stuff. So Cam decided to take a look at what had been discussed throughout the week. And I thought, I thought he had a really, really good point to make about where things are and how we talk about quarterbacks. The thing that I have a problem with is address the point that I made, not me. And I think oftentimes that happens in regards of athletes trying to make their point. It's easy for somebody to say, move past the outfit for a second. So he's talking about all these NFL game managers. He sounds like the people literally tweeting at me from their basement, like get back in the kit. Like, it's like you are at home. When he does this podcast or whatever it was, this is just wacky stuff. You know, like this, what Cam, you, you, you know more football than that, that right? It's called Funky Friday. That's his podcast because that's absurd. When he said Dak's name, I was <laughs> he telling jokes. First right of all, but the first point that I want to make here is this. Identifying the difference between a game manager and a game changer. Game manager is not a negative connotation. Ken, what do you mean by game manager? My definition of that managing player is a player who has the ability to make the right play at the right time, protecting the football at all costs. There's times in my career where I figured this out. Sometimes, Kim, you don't have to take over a game. Allow other players to do that. If we're getting personal here, there was times in my career where I did it, and there's times in my career where I didn't do it. When I think about ultimate elite game managers, Peyton Manning, Drew Brees, Tom Brady, game changer and game manager is not something where I'm saying, This person is not physically capable of making some great plays. I'm not saying that. Or I am not saying that they're not good players. There's really only three to potentially five game changers in the NFL right now. Aaron Rodgers, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, Patrick Mahomes. Chris Canty, I was listening to what he was having to say, and he used this as an analogy. A game changer is a truck. A game manager is a trailer. A truck pulls a team together and pulls and is the reason why this team is having success. A game manager is merely a trailer that's attached to something to make it go. So that was Cam Newton on his own podcast responding to, I guess, the the content that he helped create throughout the week. And we appreciate Cam Newton for continuing to help us make content. As Darren Gant likes to say, Cam Newton makes people stupid. And the thing, let's to his point, let's address what he said. He's absolutely right when he talks about the differences between game managers and game changers. And this is a classic case of, and we see this all the time in sports, there are certain guys who know they are game changers. They know they are built different. And when they see other guys and how they're being discussed, they're going, wait a minute, that guy is not me. Like, Brock Purdy ain't me. Like, it's it's as simple as that. Dak Prescott, he's right. Dak Prescott is not Cam Newton in how he goes about his game. So I find it interesting that Cam is speaking truth to this and hopefully bringing back the fact that using game manager in a negative connotation has to be taken out of the sports lexicon. Yeah, and that's that's the real disconnect here. Is he's not insulting no. anyone. He's saying the same things that I often tell you that there are certain hammers out there, mm-hmm. right? Like we've talked a lot this year about Tua Tagovailoa and and the way that he has played and the way that he has matured and what has really helped him and how that could be a blueprint for Bryce Young. Well, the truth of the matter is that's a blueprint for any quarterback in the NFL, mm-hmm. right? Wait, you have a good play caller with you. You got a bunch of guys around you who can make plays. You put 
Tua Tungavailoa on the Bills. What do they look like? What does he look like? You put Tua Tungavailoa on, pick another team. Put him on the put Panthers. Put him on the Panthers. Right? Put him on the Panthers. Yeah, but you don't even have to use the worst example. Put him on the Giants. Okay. Put him on the Jets. Put him on any of these sure, teams sure, where you're sure, like, sure. you have no playmakers. Because there's only certain guys. He's right. Mahomes makes plays. Mm-hmm. E- even A.A. Ron makes plays when he's healthy. Mm-hmm. Makes other guys. He can take the chicken salad around him and make it taste which, good. Which is the entirety of Cam Newton's career. That's why I say yeah. he comes from a mindset. When we talk about game changers, you're like you're you're positioning this guy as something he's not. I'm literally a guy who dragged a college football team to a national championship. I'm literally the guy, as he talks about the truck, right. I'm literally the guy who dragged that Panthers team to a Super Bowl, okay? And we crushed crushed teams as he was winning the MVP. So I can see where his mindset comes from. But you notice he's like elite game managers. He's absolutely right when he says Peyton Manning was an elite game manager. <laughs> Tom Brady is an elite game manager. Again, there's Tom Brady pre-Randy Moss and post-Randy Moss. Right. You look at Tom Brady's stats overall. He wasn't blowing the doors off of people, but he never made mistakes. He knew where the ball needed to be. He was an elite game manager. There's a value to that. <laughs> exactly. And I, I don't know why we've gotten to this point where it's used as a knock and hopefully Cam Newton will get people to stop using it as a knock. I don't it's not that I dislike Brock Purdy. It's just like, why are we doing this? to Brock? We do this. Why are we doing oh, it to Brock Purdy? They're in their losing up. streak. When he was struggling, because yeah. people were like, "Oh, is he the MVP?" And then, like, all of a sudden, they lost three straight. It was like, "Oh well, Debo Samuel's not playing. Oh, oh well, Christian McCaffrey missed a game. Oh, oh. Well, Brandon Ayuk's not playing either." Huh. And it's like, "Oh wow, that's weird." So when you don't have all those pieces <laughs> helping you out, hey yeah. man, it's a problem. I yeah. mean, even even Brock Purdy, he was asked the question as to whether or not Christian McCaffrey should be the MVP. He agreed. Yeah, he should be the MVP. The numbers that he's putting up. And to your point, you see how. Everything is in flux when those guys are on the on the field. But we do this. Like, look at what happened to Tommy DeVito. Tommy DeVito over three weeks becomes this phenomenon. And he's got the, you know, the four finger thing. Hey, he's got his agent who is now in the Chicago Italian Sports Hall of Fame. And then after this week, it's like, oh, well, I guess I guess Tommy DeVito. No, he's Tommy freaking DeVito. Like, don't do this to the guy. Like, don't try to, like, the, the guy who he asked the question to Brian Dable. Hey, do you see some early bits of Tom? Why do we do this? Poor Tommy got murdered by New Orleans in their defense. And I'm like, he probably feels very at home right now. <laughs> which that was the entirety of his Syracuse career. Which gets us to Josh Allen, because he brought up Cam brought up Josh Allen. And I think this weekend, White Cam Newton, to tie it all together. Yeah. When Cam last week said there were times in my career where I had to remind myself, you can't do all the things. Let other people cook. In this particular case, you can say, yes, let cook. Cook and Josh Allen was not doing anything that required to be like, all right, I gotta take over, which leads to some of his mistakes, which leads to the turnovers, which I think the streak was finally broken yesterday without a turnover for the uh for the Buffalo Bills. So if this is what the Bills are gonna be, then yeah, I could see last week when you said, Hey man, I think the Bills are the team that nobody wants to see right now, and I can see them showing up in the Super Bowl. But it's not so simple because they're at eight and six right now. You gotta remember. This is a team that did lose to a Matt Jones-led New England Patriots team. This is a team at the beginning of the season with Zach Wilson lost. All right? So they're at 8-6, and and they're tied with the Colts, the Texans, and the Bengals for those wild-card spots. Uh, The Browns are currently atop that wild-card standing, and the Jaguars will likely win the division, even though, what, they uh, they didn't look so hot 
last night against the and yeah, but I think the Ravens are going to make a lot of people look bad and th- that too. And then Trevor Lawrence, I mean, I don't know as of this recording, I don't know what Trevor Lawrence's situation is uh, after last night's game. So it's not entirely in their control. And we are setting up for a classic 90s style Dolphins bills wow. showdown at the end of the season. Yeah, they are. Yeah. Oh, I didn't realize that they were, they need help. They need help. The bills oh. do need help. Interesting. But the thing is, they are they are getting their own schedule help because they play. Did you know that there's a guy named Easton Stick and he's a quarterback in the NFL? I think he is from uh, QBU, North Dakota State. Yeah. I thought Easton Stick had done a collab with Noah Khan and it's like atop the Apple Music chart. I think Easton Stick is that silver bat with the green lettering that everyone used in Little League in 1988. <laughs> The and, then they, stick. and then they got the New England Patriots uh, on the schedule as well. And the carcass that is the, the Patriots under Bill Belichick. So they do need help. And that's kind of where we are right now as we're getting into the final weeks of the NFL season. There are so many injuries and we are on backups of backups yeah. leading teams. And you start to take a look around. And yes, I can see why the Buffalo Bills are a team that if they do get in, you don't want to see him. If I'm the Dolphins, I I'm, I would be worried about such things, okay? On the flip side of the NFC, I think we still have that clear delineation as to who's good and who's not. 49ers are still a class upon themselves. The Bills, I'm sorry, the, the Cowboys, as we saw this weekend, still have a lot to show. The Eagles, they've been going through it. There's been some changes on the defensive end, uh, who's calling plays and whatnot. I know that Jalen Hurts is sick. So there's some question with the Eagles. On the AFC side, though, I do think it comes down to a really interesting trio of the Dolphins who wanted to prove something without Tyreek Hill in the lineup, the Bills who are healthy up front, which matters on both sides. And of course it's Kansas city chiefs who refuse to go away yep. despite their mistakes. Cause they had a very quiet win against the Patriots, but they're still making a lot of the same mistake I, of drop passes and everything else. Bracket luck is going to be real yes. up in the AFC side. We'll, we'll see how that shakes out. I think it's hard to write off Dallas because they will be going through the, the, the wild card portion of the bracket. And sometimes you get hot and sometimes mm-hmm. you play inside and sometimes you don't go outside. Ultimately, I think it's going to come down to, I do think it'll be Dallas and uh, the 49ers in the NFC championship game. And uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see how healthy can the 49ers stay. That's what this is all about. I'm with you. On the that. 49ers were my preseason pick. I actually got a good price on them mm-hmm. in the preseason that I was happy with, but it, all of this has been about how healthy can they be? They were the best team in the NFL last year. That doesn't get you anything. No. When, you, when you're down to your fourth string quarterback, it doesn't help. You got to be healthy when it matters, and we'll see if they can do that. We are going to soft launch live Thursdays. We're going to be at Raleigh Times this Thursday, 2 o'clock from the rooftop. I have What's the weather supposed uh, to be? Don't ever show me the weather. We're not, we're not going to have one of those weird situations, are we? Where it's going to be? Oh no! It's going to be it's going to be fifty five degrees and sunny on Thursday. Very excited about Perfect. that. We, we we'll have de- some Colonel Taylor too. We only deal with have Colonel Taylor. Well, they have to serve it. Okay. <laughs> I hope they have it. At the very least, I'll just be drinking some high lives like we did last time. I like how you got on the point that Raleigh times where you just show up and Brad just brings you a beer <laughs> without even asking. <laughs> so here's the deal: we're going to be doing the show live Thursday from the Raleigh Times and because it's our last show before Christmas, we are going to break out the holiday mixtape and we're going to do it live. It's so good. So here's the deal. Email me. 
headline mixtape, put the subject line mixtape, the OG goes digital gmail.com if you want to participate on Thursday. Oh, no, we're free for all in that one. Really? Put the link out there like we did for you just the, want to uh, do the straight up link to see if someone yeah. wants to play mixtape. You can do it both ways, but yeah, let's. All right. I at least want to have somebody locked and loaded. That's fine. I mean, we've got tumblers, we've got sweatshirts, right. we've got t shirts. So these are Christmas songs. Yes. Christmas songs for the mixtape. We've got four of them from our guy. Yes. Big thanks to Travis. So we have four songs for the mixtape. If you want to participate, be ready on Thursday. We'll put the link out there. But if or you come want, by. Come by. We'll do it live. We'll do it live. We can do it live. That should be a lot of fun. I got to make sure I bring the uh, the headphones, though. Yes. Gotta make sure. But yeah, from here on out, when we get into the new year, we're going to start doing shows Thursday, 2 o'clock, live on YouTube. Obviously, if, we'll put the podcast out. Yeah. And if but, your company would like to sponsor the Thursday live show, let us know. Hit right. us up. Speaking of sponsors, big thanks to Matt Davis over at State Farm. Hit him up online at insuregardner.com, voginsurance.com, or call him directly at 919-779-8277. Yeah, save yourself some money. Just check him out or give him a call. What's the harm? Who doesn't want to save money? Everybody wants to save money. Speaking of which, use that promo code OG23 when you order from homefieldapparel.com. All right, so here's the deal. You've gotten Christmas gifts for everybody else. You got to treat yourself now. Yes. Get yourself something nice. Head on over to homefieldapparel.com. Use that promo code. I actually had somebody hit me up through DM saying, hey, what was that promo code again? Super easy. OG23 to save 15%. OG23. So should I be worried about the triangle basketball schools and their NCAA tournament resumes or is it too early? Should I, should I follow my own advice and not get too wrapped up in November, December basketball? I think if you're wanting North Carolina to win the national championship, Mm -hmm. then the last two games can give you pause. Okay. I, I happen to liked the way that they played against UConn. I had no problems with the way that they played down in Atlanta this weekend against Kentucky. Mm -hmm. I think both games were an example now of the other team just having a little bit more in the backcourt than they do. Sure. And this was even with Cormac Ryan playing a really good game against Kentucky in this loss. It was a, it was a nice back and forth game, like great atmosphere down in Atlanta. I still wanted to see this thing in either Lexington or Chapel Hill. Uh, But RJ Davis, clearly the bus driver of this team. Now that Mm -hmm. that's pretty crystal clear. As we've seen now in year five with Armando Baycott, yeah, I mean, length is, is going to bother him. An NBA guy guarding him is going to bother him. So, yeah. you know, you're going to need some more from him, but I wasn't like, oh, he's the reason they lost. I think ultimately it comes down to, you know, the other guy, the other teams in these two cases, UConn and now Kentucky. Robert Dillingham, as, as NC State would have liked to have known, is a dude. <laughs> DJ Wagner is a dude. Yeah. And then they have their, their designated shooter in uh, Reed Shepard who could knock down some big shots for them. So I guess, I guess what it comes down to for North Carolina is what were your expectations for this year? Like what, what did you want out of the Tar Heels and this iteration year three for Hubert Davis? Sure. And I think it was Al Hood who is over at Tar Heel blog. He had, he had posted a thread that succinctly put up, I think the, the issue Carolina basketball fans are having right now. I think the scars of last year, like the triggering moments of last year are still present for how this team might win or lose a game. Even though I don't think that they have the same vibe about them. I, yeah. It's a, it's a much better, the, 
you want it, if, and I get in trouble sometimes when I speak for Carolina sure, sure, fans, sure, 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 but sure. I will just say, I think if, if I'm a Carolina fan, I wanted to see this team fight this yes. year. And I think they play with an edge. Agree with and you. I like the way that they play basketball. Agree with they you. Just, I think they're just a little bit limited in the backcourt while Cadeau is still figuring things out, while he's not exactly a scorer, while he's, you know, he had, mm-hmm. the, he had the late turnover. I don't necessarily put that on him. I thought that was a weird choice to put him back in the game after he had been on the bench for nine minutes. That was weird to me. So you look at their, you look at these back-to-back losses against uh, Connecticut and, and, and Kentucky. When, when we talked Both about neutral site games, neutral 87, site games. 76 to UConn, 87, 83 to Kentucky uh, in Atlanta. On I Saturday. mean, let's be, well, first and foremost, these games should be played. Yeah. On home courts, even though they had a good crowd in Atlanta, they did. I, I get it. And I understand some of these things, it's not the same. It's not, I, I really would have enjoyed and they remember these, these yeah, like, teams why used was to play NC the State? first Saturday of every December. These two teams used to play every Saturday, home and home. Why is NC State? Why was the NC State Tennessee game where it was uh, at like ten o'clock? Money, but that can't be that much money. Like I, I, NC State really needs kind of Boo Corrigan to get a little bit locked in on basketball. I think his attention has been on football mm-hmm. as the head of the college football playoff committee. I don't, I don't think it's. I mean, damning him as a character oh, no, no, that, no, no, that no, no, his no. focus has been on football. I think there's only so much bandwidth. They do need to improve their non-conference schedule that played at home. Yes. It's been bad. Totally agree. With they you play uh, St. Louis on Wednesday and that passes for, an, you know, a semi-interesting basketball game. Meanwhile, Carolina's out here playing the greatest schedule. Again, hat tip to Clint Gwaltney that I think I've ever seen. Duke, Duke you know, also has a very good schedule. Now, you, your first question was, should you be worried about their resumes? Carolina's no. Carolina beat Arkansas and Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Those are two great wins. You put those in your back pocket. You slide those in there. You take care of business again today, uh, a Wednesday against Oklahoma down in Charlotte, and you'll be you're on your way. Yeah. You're, no problems. Yeah. Again, the question for Carolina is: Are they good enough to get over the hump against those elite teams? I don't think we know yet. And and you know what? Bracket luck is real. You never know well, who the hell they'll have to go not, through to get to. It's not it's even, Vegas. It's is not Vegas even that. this year. It goes back to I think so. I have to go back and double check. It gets back to a thing that I will I will pound the table from now until, or is it stupid Arizona? I think it's back in Arizona. Actually, thank you. Yeah, sorry, it's, it's I in Arizona. I don't mean to be critical of Arizona. Actually, I mean the building itself is whatever, but going to Arizona for the Final Four is actually a good spot. Is it? You just party in Scottsdale. I have not been. Scottsdale is where you want to hang out. That's why people fall in love with that area because you go to Scottsdale. Oh, we're not in Vegas time. until 28. Okay, well, enough to save money so we can get to Vegas <laughs> in 28. I don't even know what Radio Row will look like. Maybe it'll be Podcast, podcast Row, in, 20, row uh, baby. in 28. Who knows? Anyway, back on task, Joe. Okay, sorry. We, we clearly have the uh, the holiday ADHD here. Everything, yeah, no, obviously, I'm saying Carolina's resume, fine. Now, Duke's resume, State's resume, that's where your questions come in. That, that's a valid question. Specific to North Carolina, though, to get back on track with the Tar Heels. I'll go back to what I was saying with with Al and his his overall opinion that I agree with, and that I think fans are at odds with still letting the past die, like letting sure. last year be last year, and just look at what you have right now, and look at their edge, look at the good pieces, and figure out all right, how is this team going to make it work? I said it after the Tennessee game. If Carolina can consistently score in the nineties, I'm gonna like their chances. <laughs> right. Defensively, their best lineup defensively is a little bit of a liability. Armando Baycott needs help. He cannot be on his own, as you as you mentioned. When you put a couple NBA guys on him, you see where things start to struggle. And Carolina lost that game in a way that they usually beat teams. 
Kentucky dominated them on the boards. Yeah. I think they pulled down, what, 40% of their misses. They had more shot opportunities because of that. And, they, and then, you know, North Carolina turned the ball over a bunch, which is something that Kentucky did not do. I think those are correctable problems, but there are some limitations based on the roster. What do you like to call it? A math problem? Mm-hmm. Carolina's got a little bit of a math problem with their lineup. I think it'll be fine in the ACC. There's not a lot of teams that can run with them if they get going. If Elliot Cadeau settles down, as you mentioned, RJ Davis continues to be the bus driver. If Harrison Ingram continues to be that spark plug that I've enjoyed so far in the early part of the season. But it comes, it comes back to that central question. What were your expectations for the Tar Heels this year? If you thought they were a national title contender, well, I feel like those were unreasonable expectations. For me, it was, do you look like yourself again, get to the NCAA tournament, and then you can let the the bracket luck be real? Almost feels like, you know, we've talked before about how does the ACC title matter to Carolina and Duke? I think you and I both agree that Duke winning the ACC last year was a, was really good. Yes, it was for John Shire. I think Carolina is has has a as good a chance as anyone else to win the ACC this year. If they win the ACC this year, that would be really good for Hubert Davis, in my opinion. But you and I are not, as we like to discuss, the bears of the Carolina standard no, when it comes no, to basketball. It's I actually think... something that Chris uh, over at Dagon Box Scores had pointed out because I do think this is a Hubert Davis. Where, what are you as a program sure. situation? But I think they're good enough to win the ACC this year. And I think this would be one of those years where you would appreciate it too. Yeah. Particularly in the context of being the number one team in the country last year and not making the NCAA yeah. tournament. So Chris had put this out on his latest newsletter. I highly recommend you go, y'all check it out. Bless your chart is the name of his newsletter. And he put together North Carolina's two and 13 against Ken Palm tier a opponents since the start of last season. Now you're asking, well, what does last season have to do with this season? I think it gets back to the how you and I view Carolina versus how the hardcore Carolina view, view, fan views basketball. And when you're taking on blue bloods, other blue bloods yeah. like Kentucky, when you're taking on other good teams like a Tennessee, you want to, you want to win. You want to establish yourself as, yeah, no, we're still the standard. And when you look at where they are against these top opponents, it's not pretty including right down to the point differential as well. So I think, I, think the, I think the problem with Carolina is that we're at odds with two different discussions. What do you expect out of them this year? And of course, this desire for Carolina to be back to where they were, not even at the tail end of the Roy Williams seasons. We're talking 2017, you know, that kind of stuff, 2009, et cetera. I mean, they did play for the national championship. I, I know. You, you and I have talked about that. <laughs> you and I have talked about that. Now, State, I do think it's gotten late early for them. It has. And, and it's weird because I actually like the pieces that they have, particularly now thing. that we see Cam Woods and that's the thing. MJ Rice. Yeah. We don't even know. Like, that's the problem I have with NC State. MJ Rice comes back, what, last week. Okay, yeah. cool. That's a nice surprise. And then, thanks to Josh Stein and friends, we have the purge on transfer. All transfers are legal right now, which allows Cam Woods to play the major- the rest of the season. Okay, so now you got these two these two pieces that either weren't counted on or you didn't know what you were going to get or when they didn't were going to come back. You didn't yeah, yeah. think you'd have. So I don't know what NC State is. So now NC State's going to have to make their hay in conference play. And it's not like the conference is doing its best job of putting itself in position to help you out yeah. by winning in the league, unless you mean sweeping Clemson this year. <laughs> Cam Woods is an interesting piece. Transfer from NC and He's got a little bit of a Herkimer jerk release, but I like it. <laughs> I, I, I like the boxy. He's, he's exactly the kind of player I told Kevin two years ago. 
Stop guessing. Stop going to get somebody who averaged four points a game and go get NCAA or Norfolk State's leading scorer because at least you know they could put the ball in the basket. Uh, obviously, they did not think they'd have Cam Woods this year, and I don't think he's replaces a uh, DJ Horn who's been mm-hmm. really good and finding his role. And Jane Taylor has found his role and his stride. And I feel like those two guys are really the bus driver with this group. You know, they came up short against Tennessee. I, th- I thought they played really well in the first half. And then the second half, guess what? Tennessee has a really good team. And number 30 for Tennessee was the one who I thought was the difference in this game. And a big part of that was because and they have a little bit of an issue with DJ Burns and what do they do with him? And what, what, what is the best way to use the big boy? Mm-hmm. Uh, Josiah Jordan James was the player who had 23 points for tennis. He hit a bunch of threes down the stretch in part because the way that state plays defense, they try to help Burns and the four is the one who tries to help Burns. James was there before he had some open looks, knocked them down, but Tennessee's a good team, man. Mm-hmm. Like Tennessee's a final four contender, right? So there's no shame in going to a neutral site, playing toe to toe to them, which they did and losing. Now my number one takeaway from watching this game on Sunday morning was Rick Barnes, man. It's a template. Just like we saw with Roy Williams. Like you could watch Rick Barnes. You wouldn't even know he was the coach. You'd be like, Oh, that's, that's a Rick, Rick Barnes, Barnes team. team. Right. They are tough. They're older. They're bigger. And by the way, when you play them and you don't get a tight whistle, you better strap it up. Hey, because it ain't you ain't gonna have it ain't gonna be good for you. Duke saw that in the NCAA tournament last year, yep. which gets us to Duke. Before we talk about Duke, every time we talk about college hoops, brought to you by Wings Over. Check them out. Wings over Raleigh, Wings over Chapel Hill, Wings over Greenville. Uh, order online. It's gonna be on time. Always is for me. Love to see that. And most importantly, they got parking there on Hillsborough Street. Uh, which is crucial when I'm getting it out. I got 50 wings. And sometimes I feel like, well, that's a lot. And then I'm like, no, no it's not. not. Oh, so just good. don't look at the calorie count of 50 wings. I'm not eating all 50 wings. I'd be impressed if you did, though. <laughs> I'd be dead, but <laughs> be a great way to go. <laughs> so Duke, I'm, by the way, I'm an idiot. So I emailed Duke. <laughs> you were fired up. You're like, yeah, I'll, I'll be there. Well, I'm trying to, now that I'm, now that I'm, now that I'm, Functional. At a, I'm at a point where I can actually start going to basketball games. Mm-hmm. I'm looking ahead at the schedule. I didn't bother to look where the Duke Baylor game. It just said that Duke was the home team. Okay, cool. I'll be there. Oh, wait, is it MSG? <laughs> oh, probably not in the budget. Yeah, not in the budget. It's sort of, it's like, oh, I'll let, I'll let the folks at MSG know you're coming. I'm like, oh, wait, by the way, no, I'm not coming. I thought it was a home game. My bad. But all jokes aside, this is a game, another measuring stick for where Duke is because they can talk all they want about bouncing back. John Shire, after beating Charlotte and Hofstra last week, talks about, hey, you know, this is what we do as a Duke program. We bounce back. It's how you respond. X, Y, Z. Cool. I expect you to beat Charlotte. I expect you to beat Hofstra, which was a little bit more of a struggle than the final score might indicate. Duke's issue right now is where, not that they're going to miss the NCAA tournament. It's how are you going to make life easy for yourself? without some signature wins, which this is another opportunity for them against Baylor. Yeah. I mean, Michigan state's trying to help them. Uh, Michigan state just beat Baylor, Mm -hmm. but that's the only win they have of note on their resume right now. The losses to Arkansas and Arizona obviously didn't help. Their, their, uh, their schedule was a little bit light this year. I like their schedule though. Interesting. I like their like Arizona game being played. Yeah. But they're at uh, at Cameron indoor stadium. Yeah. What you're missing here though is, when coaches know they have a team 
Oh yeah. They go and they play and they're like, okay, cool. Mm -hmm. I'll go play at Indiana. I'll go play Michigan state. I'll go play Kentucky. I'll go play Kansas. I'll play, roll it out. We'll be there. Gonzaga, you know, Duke's played Gonzaga before. And it's like this, this schedule is, 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 is a little light in the shorts, a little light. So we'll see. A state. They're going to have to make now. This is about seating. Though. This is about seating for right? Duke. Like you want to be for state. It's about making the damn NCAA state tournament. It's about getting there. For Duke, Duke it's, it's about, about hey, how do we improve our? They need this Baylor game mm-hmm. Wednesday night in the city. Big thanks to Whitaker and Hamer for sponsoring Ovias and Gilio. Can we start talking about it now? We can. Did you get the deep AI fake that he sent us? I haven't because he has to approve my ability to download it off Dropbox. Hopefully, I'll see it today. But we're going to do it. We are going to have the Tecmo tournament. We're going to be at Shady's on what? Did we decide February 4th? 2-4. That's Sunday? Yes. Okay. We're going to start a new tradition here. Although, have we figured out how we're going to do this Tecmo tournament yet? We have. Yeah, okay. Details, man. Don't worry about that. Don't February fourth. Don't sweat the details. Feb- just sign up. February fourth. How are we Shady's. signing up? Email us the OG goes digital at gmail.com. Email us the OG goes digital at gmail.com. It's $25 to play. Don't worry. We'll have food. And you can there's plenty of drinks for you to to meander through. 32 teams? We, we, uh, we have 32 we teams? have 32 slots. Okay. Yes. 32 30, slots. I will not be participating. In this tournament. However, do we want to auction off a game against you? Yes, I am perfectly willing to prostitute myself out for anybody who wants to pay to play <laughs> me and Super Tecmo Bowl and do it for see the content, how man. crazy my brain works. All right. So just put in uh, Tecmo for uh, for the OG goes digital at gmail.com. And I should say it's $25. 25 bucks. There's cash prizes. Mm-hmm. So this is not just an OG event. This is a you you come and play and win. You're going to make money. Are we doing the thing where you have to buy a team? We will we will have eight. There will be four groups of eight. Okay. And in those four groups of eight, you cannot be the 49ers. You cannot be the Bills. Okay. You cannot be, who did we say? The Eagles. Do you want to do the Raiders or do you want to do the Oilers? I was the other no touchers. I would do the, everybody's obsessed with Bo Jackson. So I would just say no Raiders. No Raiders, no Eagles. Yeah. Okay. We will then have four winners advance out of those divisions. Mm-hmm. Then you can you can auction and purchase any team you want mm-hmm. to be for the final four. Okay. So right. bring, bring first of all, $25 to play, then bring some cash or, or your uh, Venmo account, cash app, and to make sure that you're in the right place. And again, only 32 slots. So 32 slots. Get on it early. And it is a cash prize. So big thanks to Whitaker and Hammer for helping us do that over at Shady's and Garner. And big thanks to Hometown Realty for sponsoring Ovias and Gilio. Check them out online, myhtr.com. You're probably trying to get through the end of the year. Totally understand that. A lot of these things are 2024 problems. But what you might notice this time of the year is, you know, could use a bigger house or a different layout. Layout's always a big thing. Like, you know, I would love to host more in this kitchen, but it's too cramped. Well, new construction. And that's where Hometown Realty can help you out. Yeah, and the market's moving in the right place. So buy, sell, calculate. Go to myhtr.com, figure out your next move. Carolina Hurricanes had an interesting weekend. They lose in a shootout last night to the Washington Capitals. The uh, Alexander Ovechkin hasn't scored in several weeks. Watch him have a hat trick tonight prophecy. 
did not come true, uh, but they lose in a shootout. A classic Rod Brindamore game, Joe, where he liked everything about the game, just not the result. We did everything we were, we wanted to do, just didn't score. And uh, you no, know, if I look at that game, we knew coming in how exactly it was going to go, just based on what how they've played all year. They played tight, tight games, and I thought we stuck with our game plan really well and hit a few goalposts, a couple of inches here there. It would been a much different story. So, yeah, overall, I liked it. So uh, what I would say is a, a tumultuous end to the Carolina Hurricanes calendar year for 2023 um, kind of hit its peak, its apex with waving Auntie Ranta. Uh, he cleared waivers. They reassigned him to Chicago. I know Trip Tracy last night, and he's absolutely right, brought up instances in which well-known commodity goalies have been sent down to try yeah. to find their game again, come back, and are okay. He brought up Arturis Urbe. He brought up uh, Martin Gerber uh, with in relation to them having been sent down and then coming back up. And you and I have had a debate as to what exactly is ailing the Carolina Hurricanes. The simple answer is goaltending. Ranta has been letting in a lot of goals, even at home. So this is a little bit, I also think it's a little bit of a wake-up call. It's just the nature of the business. Sometimes we've been hearing it from the Canes, whether it's through Jordan Stahl, Sebastian Ajo, or Rod Brindamore himself. They're not playing to the level that they know they're capable of. And sometimes you do have to elevate to overcome who's in net. And this might just be one of those wake-up calls, along with the fact that the Canes are probably cooking something when it comes to the net. Yeah, interesting span over the weekend there. Friday, they play Nashville. They look like a million freaking dollars, mm-hmm. man. It's 4-2, it's 5-3. And then they were humming. And I'm like, oh, okay, look. Look at that. The Canes, ha. Huh. And uh, Ranta just couldn't stop anything. Right. And they ended up losing in overtime to Nashville, 6-5. to five. And on the heels of that, they wave Ranta. And not surprisingly, nobody wanted him. No. So now you end up assigning him. They they call up the goalie from, from the queue. Quinnipiac. Yeah. I love it. Going to get Rod Brindamore's son's uh, teammate who won the NCAA championship last year for the queue. So we'll see what happens with them. Then they come back yesterday. They play Washington and, and Rod's right. It's it's interesting kind of. We haven't seen Washington since the outdoor game. Yeah. And the Canes kind of like skated circles around them. So I feel like Washington, they have a new coach and it's like they found religion. You know, it's like, oh, we're just going to play like the Canes do. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> um, <laughs> so the interesting thing to me about Washington is their goalie. Mm-hmm. And Darcy Kemper played a really good game last night. Darcy Kemper, you're like, oh, that's Darcy Kemper. Well, yeah, he won a Stanley Cup with Colorado, which has always been the template to me. Colorado's yeah, always been all time. the template to me of the way that they want to play. And I look at it and I go, will one goalie solve the Canes problems? I don't know. I don't know. You know that they're evaluating it, though. Kachekov looked good again. That's three out of four starts yes. that he has looked good. I think that's the most important development here is that Kachekov seems to have settled in after some adventures. Again, it gets back to inconsistency in the position. They'll tell you all the time how important it is. Rod Brindamore actually addressed the media ahead of the game on Sunday. It was his first availability after they had waived Ranta. And here's what he had to say. I mean, obviously, he's been, you know part of our group for a while and you know you don't like to you don't like to see that but obviously you know his game wasn't quite there and you know it's such an important position like we talked about the other day it's uh, other players can have a little bit off time which they do but when the goalie is a little not quite there it's it's glaring and um 
you know, it's uh, it is what it is, I guess. Has he been playing at less than 100 physically, or has he been? No, no, no. It's such a mental position. Is it just kind of once when it starts to slip, it's such hard to grab it again? Well, I think there's a lot that goes into that position other than technique. Yeah, your your confidence is a big deal, a big part of it. Not like any player, but like I said, your that position gets magnified both when you win games and when you lose games, right? Sometimes it's overdone on both sides of it. But uh, you know, like I said, we gotta we gotta keep moving on. With all due respect to and Kachetkov, and you've got one guy out now for still a considerable time. I'm, I'm guessing that has to be addressed in a more significant way. Yeah, that's a question for I realize. for Tom at this point, you know. So, you know, I mean, it's it's part of the business that we got to, you know, that goal, that position is so important that, um, you know, yeah, it's, it's something that you definitely, you, you can't have enough of them, that's for sure. Good goalies. So that's uh, Rod Brindamore before the game against Washington uh, pregame availability. couple housekeeping notes. That was before the game. Adam Gold talked to Don Waddell, president, general manager of the Carolina Hurricanes. He told Adam, hey, great news on Freddie Anderson, who's been going through some light workouts. They expect him to return in a month. Now, does that mean he's going to play in a month? I don't know, but it looks like signs are pointing that Anderson isn't done for the season. It's a question of, when can he be back in position to be Freddie Anderson? Awesome news. That's incredible news. And obviously, we expect the Canes, like they always do, to handle this in the right way going forward. But as Rod said there at the end, that's something for Tom to figure out. And there are some trade, there are some trade chips. There are some trade chips that the Carolina Hurricanes do have that if they want to go ahead and upgrade at the position, they can try to make a I, go of this. I enjoyed that particular comment yeah. because as we know the question that tom will have will be to rod yeah <laughs> what do you think because <laughs> it's a hockey decision but but <laughs> but he's right to rod's he's point, right it's up somebody to what, has to sign off on somebody's got to sign off what what checks am i cutting what assets am i giving yeah. up what it what are we comfortable with because that's the other thing about why it's a question for tom dundon is very adamant about keeping this thing rolling not selling out to close on a potential window. How can we keep this thing and put ourselves in the best spot for the odds? Remember, they have their own odds. They have their own odds that they look at. But I'm 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 with you. I think after a couple of years of playing it safe at the trade deadline, I think they recognize if we're going to make this happen, we have to make some sort of move. Which gets back to my first point: it's not like they don't have some chips that guys that are probably going to cash out with larger contracts. At the end of the year, somebody like a Brett Pesci, right? Marty Natchez, what can you do with him? So all these things are available to the Carolina Hurricanes if they want to upgrade or at least make a play for uh, for goalie. Because as I forgot who asked the question there at the end, no offense to the kid from Quinnipiac who won a national championship, but he ain't the answer. So I had an existential because, you you know, we've been talking about goalie. Mm -hmm. And I thought Kachekov was was good yesterday and has been. He has been good in his last three starts. He's been good. Because uh, I was watching the Hurricanes on a four-minute power play. Now, they did ultimately end up scoring on the four-minute power play, but the goal was disallowed. <laughs> right. But I was thinking to myself, like, why is this franchise, which has had so much success, why do they struggle so much on the power play? Mm-hmm. Like, right, you, you have Tony D'Angelo, you've got Dougie Hamilton, you got Burns, you bring in all of these different things, and you're like, okay, you know, you're, you're, using, you're using the computer brain. You got your own... 
and I and I'm watching Darcy Kemper because I'm like, why do I know? You know, my brain works in a different way. It does. I'm looking at Darcy Kemper, going, why do I remember Darcy Kemper? Why do I remember? Oh yes, he was the Avalanche goalie. Like it took me a minute to figure it out. And then I'm sitting now, my brain's working again. Well, why does their power play? Why do we always talk about their power play? Stop me if you've heard this before. Maybe, just maybe, the Canes' tippy top skill isn't good enough. And maybe that's why they struggle on the power play the way that they do, because the power play isn't about your forecheck. The power play isn't about control of the puck. The power play is about skill mm-hmm. and having guys who can make plays and deposit finish. the puck and finish. finish. Oddly enough, on a team of Finns that are finished, mm-hmm. they can't finish with one end. And I'm looking here, looking at Colorado, I'm going McKinnon, Ranton, and Maker. And you're going, now who does who does the one for one Right. If, if, if Colorado's the template mm-hmm. and they win it in 22 with Darcy Kemper, you're going, well, what is going to unplug this thing? What is real or plug it in for the Canes? What is really going to ultimately turn this thing and make it a difference? And I think you have to look at it and go, is our tippy top guys good enough? And maybe it's time to, maybe it is time you, you try to shake a little something up and not just add a goalie. We'll see. Uh, we are, we're, we're a few, we're a few months away. From well, the trade deadline. So, right. But I think one thing that they're always going to do is evaluate what's what then gives you the best position to, to be successful. Mm-hmm. And it's probably not making that move right at the deadline. It's probably making it a little bit before. Well, you, it's funny. You make it, you make a point about doing it a little bit before. Cause we always talk about, well, you know, it takes a little bit of time yeah. get with the system and blah, 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 yeah. blah, blah. <laughs> Maybe it's the system. You, you asked this question about yeah. tippy top skill. It's kind of like we've seen with the Carolina Panthers, right? Wow, look at Christian McCaffrey flourishing with this with the San Francisco 49ers. Look at Baker Mayfield, the resurgence of Baker. They might win the damn division. They, they might. And Baker Mayfield they probably like, will. Like, look at that, right? You're like <laughs> when all of a sudden you see people leave your organization and like, huh, where was that? Oh, maybe it was an us problem. Again, I'm not saying that somehow, some way that the Carolina Hurricanes are trash and Rod Brindamore doesn't know what he's doing. So sometimes it's you're so locked into winning a particular, like Rick Barnes, we win like this. Roy Williams, we win like this. Well, sometimes you can't. And I do wonder about, I don't think we, we will ever have a true answer for the tippy top position of the Carolina Hurricanes and whether or not they match skill for skill. I think they do, but it's all about you know, how they want to run their offense and everything else and how they want to play. I get all that stuff. It elevates your floor like nothing else, but yeah. you still need to finish. And that's the one thing that gives me pause about the Carolina hurricanes going forward. So it'll be an interesting couple of weeks for the Canes as what they do with that position. And again, more importantly, great to hear that news about Freddie Anderson and his potential return to the Carolina hurricanes. If you're headed to PNC Arena for any of these games, drop on by Breeze through before or after the games to uh, get some tailgate needs or get some coffee for your drive back as you want to get on the message boards and argue <laughs> with uh, with other people about the state of the Canes. So head on over to Breeze through locations across the Triangle and across North Carolina. Also, big thanks to the Butcher's Market. It's that time of the year. Parties, you're hosting you want to make life easy for yourself, head on over to Butcher's Market. They have prepared meals. They've got great appetizers. And of course, if you want the big show, they got the meats. They got some really good cuts that you can pick up and all the things that you need to cook said meat. So head on over to the Butcher's Market, including their new location 
off of Lake Boone Trail, off of uh, in the Lake Boone Shopping Plaza. And of course, thanks to Mosquito Authority, Pest Authority, you know, I was reading a story about how Netflix won the streaming war. You know okay. why they won the streaming war? Why? Because they're bundling all your favorite shows together. Ooh, good idea. You know what? Mis- bundling, it's so hot right now. You mean like cable? Well, you can kind of do the same thing with your pest. Your, your, your mosquito authority, pest authority, bundling and save. So head on over to bugsbite.com. We're moving on. All right, let's get out of here on some Hey Joe questions brought to you by Oakwood Pizza Box. Check them out in da- their downtown Raleigh. I think we've decided no, that they're not technically in downtown. Because my brother was also blowing me up like, <laughs> Wings Over is not downtown. Hillsborough yeah, is not yeah, downtown. Yeah. Like, okay, it's fine. downtown. Fine, 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 fine. But what about Oakwood? Yeah, Mordecai, Oakwood. Is that downtown or not? Uh, you know what? Technically, it's not within north and the northwest, north, north, south, <laughs> east, west quadrant of downtown. <laughs> technically. Fair enough. Anyway, check them out Wednesday through Sunday. Boy, that was really difficult for me to say. Head, head over to oakwoodpizzabox.com if you want to order online. Uh, to the YouTube comment section. From Alan Jones, last thing I remember about these two before they got shit canned was them stammering on relentlessly about how UConn isn't a blue blood in college basketball. Y'all look different without your clown makeup on. Ooh. Did w- what did we? Ooh. That was clever. That was clever. What did we? Hold up. Did I? We advanced an argument. I said so they won a I, national championship. So I said last year, I, even when they got to the final four, I would rather be UConn, yeah, than any other program in the country because yeah. of the rate that they win championships. Okay, I'd rather win the national championship than but, anything else. But that doesn't make you a blue blood, right? Like, that was our debate. We had a, we had a we had a difference of opinion about well, what happens in those other years yeah. when you don't win the national championship? My argument was, I don't care. I've still got more championships than you. That's cool. Right. <laughs> I, I, I get that. But when I think blue blood, I think perennial. I think a team that's constantly in the mix, somebody that you're going to, you want to go out of your way to watch. Like when Carolina and Kentucky play, what are we doing? Watching the game. We're watching that damn game. When we talk about Carolina losing to Kentucky, we're not, you know, not going, all right, on to the next one. It's like, but what does this mean for the larger scheme of Carolina basketball? Same with, same with Kansas, right? Yeah. It's, it wasn't like, I don't know. It's, you know what? It's kind of like game manager, game changer. It's kind of the theme of the show today. There's nothing wrong with UConn. You got your titles, baby. You're good. You just have to point to the banners. It's great. And you've beaten Blue Bloods on the way to do it. Hey, man, you beat Duke. Okay. (laughs) Anyway, the point is. Well, yeah, 99. It doesn't matter. (laughs) That's a good Duke team. They beat was Arguably their best. Okay. (laughs) So Calhoun, I mean, come on now. I think he had Kay's number for the most part. I, I thought you meant the most recent ones, though. The no, most no, no, ones, no, no, well, no. They no, did no. be Kentucky Ruin, but the yeah. most recent ones are notable because when there is nothing else around and the bracket goes to shit, that's when UConn wins. That's when they go. That's why I had the UConn ticket last year as well. So, I don't know. It, it's not... You've got your championships. Why are you adamant about being classified into something that you just you, aren't historically? Don't, don't be... You're getting triggered by, like, one person. No, it's I'm okay. not getting triggered it's by okay. it. It's just if we're going to have the conversation, we yeah. just have to be honest about what you've done over the course my, of the of the yeah, program. My preference was to be UConn. Totally I'd rather be UConn than it's anybody It's kind of like else. how I used to joke about the the, my, the the Florida Marlins. I'm sorry. Yep. <laughs> exactly. Are we not going to win it this year? Okay, cool. cool. Don't even make me. the playoffs. <laughs> I'm good. Oh, oh, oh. Made the playoffs? All right. It's time to go win a World Series. 
Uh, let's see. From Emil, Notre Dame going from the sexy suave levels of a new Ferrari to a used F-150 <laughs> Lariat? To right from Sam Hartman to Riley Leonard? Wow. Whoa. Dang, man. Uh, from nothing, man. We'll chip in to buy Ovius some women's golf clubs and make his day. Joe Obvious, why does Drake May having a mediocre year this past year not matter as far as the draft value is concerned? That comes across as some type of UNC snob kind of comment. All right, two things. I did I did order the 13 wood. One of our listeners found on eBay for me a left-handed 13 wood that is arriving next week. Very excited about this. So embarrassed. Cannot wait to unveil that. As far as this comment is concerned, if I'm obvious, which is fine, then it should be obvious to you based on draft history that regular season results for a quarterback in college football don't necessarily matter because the scouts are the ones that decide it. The scouts see the game differently than a fan sees the game. Oh, your record isn't great? Cool, but look at Drake May's throws. Look at this. Look at that. Blah, blah, blah. Look, how, look at the pedigree. All those types of things. Those are the things that the scouts ultimately care about. All right, we'll go to some uh, we'll go to some other YouTube comments. Um, Brylo and I put together a, an overtime porn went out for Twitter. Yeah, it was good. And a couple people responded to that. You know, from Hunter, this resonates with me. Joined about the same time as y'all. Haven't completely left because of the NC State folks I follow. Haven't found a new home yet. Um, this is from Southie. This episode reminds me that I started following Joe simply because of the sports coverage around the Raleigh area. I never actually listened to a single minute of any sports talk radio <laughs> in my life. I probably tweeted over a hundred Hey Joe questions at Ophias over the years, but never actually heard any of them make the radio. Again, Twitter made that a thing. Um, and then let's see, a couple other people had pointed out, like, you know, I already did the questionnaire, but an OG message board would be a fun idea, a good opportunity for more substantial conversations. So this you and I were actually talking about this before we started the show about how message boards, social media, all that stuff has kind of waned, right? Like everybody's sharing it within their own closed group. Yeah. And new habits that are formed and whatnot. And I think that was the ultimate point that I was getting at when it comes to social media. I'm sure you've seen it with your usage of Twitter. It's not as much engagement as it used to be. You joked about your Tommy DeVito jokes. Like I thought I had hot fire. Yeah. Eh, the engagement's down. <laughs> And I haven't found the same thing on threads yet. And I think the ultimate point is, I don't think we're ever going to find that again. So the question is, what's next? What is the next routine? And I've made the argument for a while now that the next routine is smaller circles, family group texts. Yeah. You and your buddies shooting back and forth. Like the I know snaps, the snap face. I used to work with a guy that had a, a longstanding email listserv with him and his Carolina buddies. And it was still going today. Like they would just respond and talk about Carolina stuff through email. I think that's actually kind of where we're going back to. It's kind of funny to me that blogs are suddenly the new hot thing of how to get your stuff out there. Longer form thought, closer community, a tight knit group on a message board. Like where have I seen all this stuff before? Are we back to cable? We bundling? It's vinyl, baby. Buy me a record player oh, for Christmas. Oh, oh. So that's kind of where wait, we're at. Wait. Now, how do we do that on the show? Wait. I don't know. Wait, I really just don't know. one second. I what? found two what did you find? wonderful things that made me think of you oh, boy. recently. What did you find? In our business ventures. What First did you find? All, look at this beauty. What is, what is that? Is it coming up on the... Yeah, it's coming. Is that a... 
What is that? Is that a uh, is that like an old school cash uh, cash register? That is how you would prefer us to do our transactions. That's a like nineteen. That's a coin machine, right? Sixty-eight credit card. Oh, oh, okay, yes. With the levers, with the, with the carbon, <laughs> but the no, carbon paper. Not just the carbon, but look at those levers. I look know. At the, I love you that. have to adjust the numbers so, on the lever. So analog. I love that. That's a uh, shout out to Tommy. That's what we need. Uh, Western Auto there. If you have a Honda, get your car fixed over there. And then finally, <laughs> as I was on my way to get a couple of groove wagons for the weekend. Yeah. Oh, a payphone. <laughs> I can't believe it's still there at Peace Street Market. The phone book is there as well. Does it still function? No. Look at the, the oh, phone's okay. missing the phone, half the phone, of the receiver. The phone's missing the receiver. But, okay. Um, the phone book is still there. I love that. I, and the the year has eroded I love off of the front of the yellow pages. So I love that. These two things, I've seen them in the last week, and I've been meaning to, since I've been working on my Insta game, mm. I've, I've been meaning to Insta them to you. I, uh, I Speaking remember, of two, like sharing and all those things. We went to, we did, a, we did a, a, a long road trip, and we went through Yellowstone. And at one of, at, at Mammoth Hot Springs, they've got a little area, you know, restrooms, et cetera, vending machine. And they had functioning. Phones. They had functioning payphones. So I had the kids pose. I'm like, do y'all know what that is? And they're like, well, it's a phone. But like, why is there a phone there? I'm like, because that's how you'd have to make calls back in the day. Yeah. And when the aliens come and abduct you in the middle of the Yellowstone, you're going to need that <laughs> phone. Find somebody <laughs> when when the super quake happens and you're trying to get out of there, you're gonna need that phone. All right, it's gonna wrap it up uh, for today's edition. We've got a little bit of a different schedule this week. Uh, we're gonna be doing a little Carolina Hurricanes therapy with Roy Cooper, Governor of North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll also be catching up with Bubba Cunningham, AD at North Carolina. A lot of different things to get into this week. And remember, live show Thursday from Raleigh Times. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. <laughs> 